The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hi everyone, Kimberly Falker here, the founder and CEO of the Premier Dance Network, the only podcast network dedicated solely to the world of dance. And welcome to Pod to Chat with your host, Barry Corellis. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Corollis, and you are listening to Pod to Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this bi-weekly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I'm happy to share my 18 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Hello, everybody. Hello. <laughs> uh, welcome back to another episode of Pod a Chat Talking Dance. I am coming to you on World Ballet Day. You're going to get this on Friday, but it's currently Thursday, October 29th, which is World Ballet Day, which is still happening during the pandemic. So I hope that you celebrated. It is a dreary, rainy day here in New York City. You hear a little bit of steam sounding. That's our heat turning on. Uh, because it's getting chilly. It's getting chillier and chillier, but uh, I love fall, so I'm totally down with like the weather going back and forth. Um, I think during the summer, I like it being nice and sunny and warm, but at the same time, if it's like the same thing over and over and over again, especially during COVID times, like I need a little bit of change in the weather just to keep things fresh. Um, wonder what's new. What is new? Um, I've been running some virtual classes. Uh, if you are interested in those, you can reach out to me on my Instagram at bcarolas or my Facebook. Um, what else has been going on? I'm teaching children's classes for the Broadway Dance Center Child- Children's and Teens program. Um, I was up for a really nice position uh, with a very nice school here, and I, I just missed it. I got some really great feedback, though, so... I'm feeling pretty positive about that, even though I didn't get that. Um, but yeah, what else? Oh, uh, Movement Headquarters has started to work on our new Nutcracker, our immersive Nutcracker. Um, and we've developed the party scene so far in the snow scene. And it's just, I'm so excited with what we're doing. Um, it's unlike anything I've ever done or experienced before. I'm telling people it's kind of like the color factory meets sleep no more. We are planning on actually launching a Patreon campaign probably in December, uh, so that people can get updates on what we're doing. Cause over the next year, we're going to be developing this and we want to keep everybody like, in the loop as we press forth for live performances, hopefully in December of 2021. And I say hopefully just because of COVID, not because we're not planning on doing it. But um, so if you want more information about that, you can also reach out to me on uh, those channels or you can always uh, send an email to info at movementhqballet.org. We have an original score that is taken from uh, the actual Nutcracker score, but it's it's like, it doesn't automatically sound like the Nutcracker, but you know it's the Nutcracker when you listen to it. Um, and I've been like working on finding immersive ways to bring people into the Nutcracker experience. So 
you're going to want to stay tuned for that. I'm really, really excited. The rehearsals have been going really well. It's nice to be uh, creating in the studio again um, with dancers, even if it's just solo work and the two of us wearing masks. Um, but yeah, if you want more information on that, you can also check out uh, our Instagram at movement uh, underscore headquarters. So yeah, is there anything else going on, Barry? I think that's it. The election is on Tuesday. I hope that all of you are going to support a person who is not going to divide the country. He's not going to pretend like this pandemic's not happening. Um, who is uh, a president for all of the people and not just the people that support them. And I'm not going to go much further because then the rest of the podcast is going to be about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, make sure that you go out and vote. I definitely went out and voted. Um, actually, I didn't go out and vote. I got an absentee ballot. And uh, after the first disastrous debate, um, my husband and I were like, we need to do this now to like let off some steam. So we actually, um, we voted like five minutes after the first debate happened. Um, so yeah, that's that. Also, um, in two weeks, I will not be releasing a podcast because uh, the hubby and I are, fingers crossed, taking a short vacation up to uh, Massachusetts. So um, we've been in New York since March. I've, I've left three times, uh, once to the suburbs, once to see my family in the Philadelphia suburbs, um, and then the other time to go up to Woodstock. So we just want to get that done before and everything probably shuts down again. <laughs> um, so I, we're going to enjoy our time together and out and about uh, exploring Salem, Plymouth and Boston. So uh, just keep in mind that there will not be a podcast two weeks from now. And I'll probably be back around uh, Thanksgiving, I guess that puts us at. That's crazy. Thanksgiving is a month away. Yeah. Okay. That's it. That's your intro. I hope that uh, it's gotten you ready and raring to go for today's episode. So today's episode topic um, came from the fact that for uh, World Ballet Day, I was going through old videos of uh, me performing, um, and I was looking at my exit DVD, uh, which is now an exit file from uh, Pacific Northwest Ballet, and I found footage of myself dancing uh, in Balanchine's Rubies and Robin's Glass Pieces and Tetley's Rite of Spring and a handful of other things. And, you know, I don't know, maybe it's like not getting to dance in the way that I have in the past and with this whole p pandemic, like not being able to like touch people and engage in like larger groups. Like I, I think I said this in my last podcast, like I really miss like creating choreography on groups. Um, and if I didn't, now I said it uh, for the record. <laughs> um, but I don't know what it is. I just like really started to get like uh, reminiscent of my days dancing in the core. Like I, I was an apprentice for one year at Houston Ballet and seven years I danced in the core with Pacific Northwest Ballet. Um, and even if I did solos and principal roles at PNB, I always went back to doing core roles as well. Once I, I left the company um, in 2011, which I can't believe it's, this is officially a year, sorry, 10, a decade from my last season at PNB. Um, when I started freelancing, um, I practically only did uh, principal or solo roles. Um, so I had like a solid eight years doing group work. Um, and I was just, yeah, I was reminiscing and I was feeling like, uh, what's the word? 
not emotional, um, but just like looking back at it with like positive thoughts and positive energy, um, which is funny because I, I definitely was kind of jaded my last like year uh, in the court Pacific Northwest Ballet, but it's like hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, and like, I was so lucky to get to dance with a company like that. Um, we all have aspirations to move forward. And I, I find myself at certain times, um, there's a current situation that I'm feeling pretty jaded about right now. And like, it's hard when you're in it to separate and be like, okay, in five years from now, will I look back and wish that I had appreciated this more? Um, or is it the right decision to sort of try to feel, uh, sorry, to feel jaded and kind of use that as an impetus to move on? Um, I am glad that I moved on from Pacific Northwest Ballet, but at the same time, I haven't quite had another experience of like dancing with such amazing dancers with live orchestra 100 to 150 shows a year um, in such a massive institution that's so culturally important to a city. So um, I definitely I definitely miss that even 10 years later. Um, so yeah, uh, in honor of World Ballet Day and me looking back at old videos and just reminiscing on that experience, I thought I love a good list podcast. So I'm going to give you 10 reasons that I miss dancing in the corps de ballet. Because I feel like nobody ever talks about that. Like you might get like a snippet, but let's really dig in and talk about it today. So uh, the first reason that I miss dancing in the core is because you get to spend the entire day doing what you're passionate about with your colleagues and many of those colleagues become your friends. And because you work so intensely and you're so exhausted when you leave work, you don't really get to hang out with too many people outside of work. So those friends can become really, really close friends. Um, working in that capacity, it keeps things fresh. Like no day is the same. Even if you're rehearsing the same piece, no day is the same. Um, it keeps your mind sharp and interactive. Uh, there are some jobs where I feel like you're very alone. Um, I, I notice a lot of musicians that I've worked with, they spend so much time practicing on their own that they, they tend to develop unique quirks. Um, or like, for instance, even like principal dancers, uh, they spend a lot more time by themselves or with like a partner than they do in groups. And sometimes like personalities evolve because of that. And I feel like, uh, you really, uh, you're more likely to a be like kept in line and not like go too crazy, um, <laughs> on your own. Um, but also, yeah, it just keeps you sharp and it makes sure that you're, you're, uh, able to interact in community. Um, it just really prevents you from getting too internal, which for me can really be a problem um, when I'm working alone for too long. And a lot of what I've been doing lately is that. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later. Uh, so I'm not going to get too much into that. So yeah, I'm um, just getting to spend the entire day doing what you're passionate about with your friends and colleagues. That's very special. Um, and it's unique because it's not like you're sitting at cubicles. Um, you're like, actively always with each other, touching each other, talking to each other, um, problem solving and uh, interpreting music and uh, all that. So yeah, that's it. Number two, since we're all working towards the same outcome, there's greater support for you when you're having an off day or pushing through a stressful moment. 
Um, your colleagues will only look good if you look good. So people come together more often in the core to support one another. Obviously there's going to be stressors like in any type of situation. And, um, I know that it's kind of the opposite of what all the stereotypes about dance tell you, where it's like cutthroat and super competitive, but truly like in most corps de ballets, even though there is a sense of competition amongst one another, there's also uh, just such a great amount of support. Even if you don't like somebody, it's like you still want them to do well. And that's usually just like your personalities conflict. Um, but even if you're in that type of situation, you still have to come together. Um, and there are so many other uh, workplaces and work situations where if you don't get along with somebody, you can kind of like get away um, and avoid them for the most part. But that's practically impossible when you're dancing in the court of ballet. So um, you tend to find others wanting to support you, even uh, even if it, they don't really like you. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you're going through something stressful, you don't want to have to go through that alone. Um, and having... I don't know, at P&B, there were like 25 of us in the court of ballet, um, maybe even more. I think it might've been 27 or 28 when I was in the company. Um, that's a lot of people that uh, want you to do well, uh, whether it's they personally want you to do well or they want you to do well so they can do well. Um, it's it's still there. So I really miss that support. Again, I where I am, I, I often feel like people look to me for support um, in my career currently. Um, and then in the moments where I feel like I need support, there aren't, there isn't as much of a community that is there to support me. I don't mean that like, I, I've gotten so much support throughout the pandemic from the entire dance community, international dance community. And I'm so grateful and appreciative for that. But I mean, like if I'm trying to figure out how to like get to the next level of my career, um, that kind of stuff, or if I'm like trying to problem solve something that maybe is at a choreographic level or even like a directorial directorial level, um, they're only so many people that can help me with that. And then also if they're not like directly around me, I have to reach out to them and hope that they get back to me. It's not like I'm in a room with them um, all the time. So yeah, um, number three, inside jokes. <laughs> Ballet is hard. Dance is exhausting. It often hurts. It's complex. It requires pacing. Um, it also means that a lot of mistakes are going to be had, especially if you're working with a partner. So the only way to keep the mood light in the studio is to laugh it off. Uh, dancers are often pretty good at this. I know sometimes you're going to have like somebody is really intense or maybe somebody's having a bad day. But working together in a group daily tends to lead to a multitude of inside jokes between one another. Um, I honestly like since I've stopped dancing in the core, I feel like I don't laugh as much. And when I do laugh, it's not like deep belly laughs. Like usually it's just like a normal laugh. Um, I feel like I belly laughed the entire time that I was in the company. Um, and the great thing is some of these inside jokes we still laugh about today. Um, and it can be anything from like... Uh, one of my friends, okay, here we go. I'm actually going to say this. One of my friends, we were dancing Christopher Wielden's, uh, it was like his pre-American in Paris. Um, he did carousel, a dance. Um, and <laughs> I had to lift her up in an attitude and her skirt went up and she didn't think that she had put on her, um, 
what are those called? You wear them underneath, not briefs, but uh, I can't remember, but they're like little shorts that cover up your crotch. Um, so she had mentioned it and then she did a jump and then she turned to me and, and she went, cooter. Um, sorry for any of you that that offends, but that's what it is. Um, and now to this day that that's my nickname for her. Um, and like in that moment, I just died laughing. It was, a, it was like a stage rehearsal. It wasn't a show. I, I don't think, um, if I said that before, I, I don't think it was, it was either dress rehearsal or, or stage rehearsal. Um, but it was so so funny to the point that we like still reference that today um but yeah so it could be like anything like that to just how somebody acted during the day or I remember during uh Sleeping Beauty um I we we talk on stage a lot of times people think that dancers don't talk on stage but we talk and there's a moment where the king during Aurora's birthday he turns to Aurora and goes you uh, I rem- you you uh, have grown up so much. You are so beautiful. I remember when you were this tall and this tall and this tall, and now look at you. Uh, you're so beautiful, and now you're gonna get married. <laughs> Sixteen years old. Yeah, those are the times. But I I don't even remember exactly what I said. But I was like with the music, in tune with the music, like like small, medium, large. And, but there was, it was just the timing and the approach and it was just so funny. And we did that for ever and ever. Um, but you had to be there. So I'm not going to go much more cause I'm going to be laughing and you're not going to know exactly what I'm talking about. So yeah, inside jokes, um, getting to just have that sense of humor as a dancer, you have to have a sense of humor. It's a hard career. Um, so I really miss having those types of inside jokes with a multitude of people. Number four, not feeling like the world rests, the whole world rests on my shoulders. As a director, choreographer, teacher, coach, writer, podcaster, all of those things, those are all my responsibility. Um, yes, I can collaborate and get support, but in the end, if I don't feel like doing those things, they don't happen. If something goes wrong while I'm doing those things, people look at me to resolve uh, whatever's happening. So, now that I've been elevated uh, further in my career outside of my performance career, um, I often feel a lot of pressure. And um, that pressure is if I don't do this, it's going to affect a lot of other people. Um, so yeah, it's it's nice to share responsibility with others. Um, it's just that simple. Um, now, number five, it kind of relates to this. At the same time, uh, this is the opposite. Having external pressure to show up and perform well is also pretty helpful. Uh, it's a lot harder to drop the ball when you have 15 other people relying on you in rehearsal and on stage. Um, you feel a sense of duty to serve your fellow core members. I, there, there would be situations every once in a while, and we had a, I'm not going to name names, but there was one dancer at Pacific Northwest Ballet who, uh, felt very uh, privileged and felt like they, even though they had not yet been promoted to soloists, that they would get some soloist roles, they go back in the core. They didn't feel like they had to put in the same amount of effort um, to uh, like collaborate with the core, um, often to the point that it was detrimental to us. And people were pretty angry with this person. And it got to the point where the, the dancer faked an injury um, in the middle of Nutcracker so that they didn't have to perform. Um, and one of the dancers was uh, on a break downtown getting like a holiday gift 
uh, between shows and they found that person shopping around without any issues whatsoever related to the injury that they said and they actually ended up getting fired because of that. Um, it's much more complicated than that, but um, that was what the impetus for the firing. Um, but yeah, you, sometimes if you don't feel like doing something, you just drop the ball. Um, but having the external pressure from others to really like make sure that the group is doing well and that the group is prepared and the group is together um, – it's it's kind of nice to to have that. Um, it keeps you motivated in a way that you don't have to be as self motivated. Um, I mean, granted, most dancers are extremely self motivated, but at the same time, it's nice to um, have that external motivation um, on you. Number six, dressing rooms. Some of my favorite moments of my career took place in the core men's dressing room. Uh, I mean, first off, we were so lucky to have an amazing dresser. Um, and uh, Jim, I love Jim. And uh, if he wasn't available, the dressers that we would get were great. When I was in Houston Ballet, we had a great dresser as well. Um, so that was always like a nice perk. But I also cultivated some of my best friendships in there as well. Uh because the dressing room is where you go to focus before a show and put on your makeup and get dressed. And sometimes like just to calm yourself down instead of being in your head. Some people like to like be silent and get in their head. A lot of dancers like to just like chat and sort of take their mind off of, off of what's about to happen. And then you go on stage and you warm up and that's where you really start to get in your head and focus on what you're going to do. Um, but yeah, it's, it's nice to to just have that in the dress room. Um, it's also where you come immediately after dancing, like completely pumped up on adrenaline. It's always really funny if you, like if you weren't in a piece uh, and then everybody comes down like during the intermission to change, it was always really funny to see how like out of control people's adrenaline was because they were like, you'd be like in this calm place and they'd come down like, blah, 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 like talking really loud and really fast and really excitedly. Um, so it's where you go to, to sort of like slowly let that adrenaline calm down. It's where you talk through uh, how your shows went. Um, you hear the latest gossip about what's been happening with people in the world and in the organization and so much more. Um, that's something that you don't get in a principal dressing room. And even in a soloist dressing room, um, sometimes uh, there, there are fewer people. So um, that's one thing that I, I really do miss. The dressing rooms, uh, I had some, and I also had some great people uh, sharing a dressing room with me. Um, my, like, because the way that it was set up at the McCall Hall Opera House at Pacific Northwest Ballet. Um, you could really sit like two people per section because there were like sinks in between um, or like an entrance into a bathroom. Um, my first like dressing room buddy was James Moore uh, before he got promoted to soloist and then principal. Um, and then after that, I, I sat next to uh, Eric Hippolito, who was with P&B and then went to Ballet Arizona. So, yeah, I missed the dressing room, uh, that camaraderie. Um, number seven, uh, you're probably not going to expect this one, but watching a company's next star coming up, this one was always a bit tricky because of course you kind of hoped that you were the next rising star of the company. Um, and I mean, I was with Pacific Northwest Ballet for seven years, so I got to see multiple people move through the, the dressing room. But after the fact, uh, there is something special about saying I danced together in the core with a certain dancer who became uh, the face of the company. Um, 
And again, it's it's another one of those things that you appreciate a little bit more after you leave as well. Um, during the time you're like, like I said, you're hoping that you're going to be the next one to get promoted. Um, and sometimes it can be disappointed when you're like, oh, they got in after I got into the company and I've had so much more experience and proven that I deserve to be promoted. But look how fast they're moving. So that's kind of like a mixed bag there. Um, but yeah, looking back, it's it's cool to be like, oh, I danced with that dancer. And then all of a sudden you see them like on the cover of a magazine um, or you see them being featured in this or that or moving, uh, having like a parallel move to an uh, another well-known company. Um, and then also I like, for instance, I just had an experience, um, where now I'm being brought into work for one of them. Um, Corel Cruz, uh, was a good friend of mine at Pacific Northwest Ballet and he was in the core when I first joined. He spent a nice long time in the core. Um, but then he eventually became a principal and was one of the, the most used partners in the company. Um, he and his wife, Lindsay Deck, who was also a principal dancer who just retired during COVID from PNB, uh, they just opened a school in, uh, ba- in San Antonio. It's called De Cruz Ballet, which is a combination of Lindsay Deck and Corel Cruz, Deck Cruz, De Cruz Ballet in San Antonio. Um, and they've been actually having me teach virtual contemporary classes for their, their students in their new school. Um, you should check out their program. I'm really excited to see what they do because they're lovely people, amazing dancers. Um, and I imagine with their generous spirits that they will also do great things for, for students. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a a cool factor. Um, number eight, performing in most company performances, um, this gets harder as you get older and your body begins to experience wear and tear, but especially when you're younger uh, and you're in the deep of dancing in the court of ballet, you may perform in a majority of a company's performances every year. Um, at PMB, we would do 100 to 150 performances a year. So that meant that I got to feel the wind of the curtain rising, hear dozens of musicians create music in real time right in front of me for me to dance to um, and receive thunderous appreciative applause from two to 3,000 people uh, nightly for at least 100 shows a year if I, and up to 150 if I stayed healthy and was cast frequently. Um, so yeah, I there's it's exhausting but it's just a very special thing to be able to step on a stage like that so so frequently um it's really magical and i it's something that i don't know that i'll ever get to experience again in the same way as uh in in the capacity of where i am now in the the dance field um but i hope that i get to build my company uh build movement headquarters to a place where while I won't be the one on stage, I'll still get to be a part of that atmosphere more than a few times a year. Um, I, I remember like essentially living in the theater. It's just such an experience. Um, especially a theater where like people pay lots of money to, to come and see a show as like entertainment and like on a date, things like that. And there I am at like four 30 in the afternoon, like wearing socks and sweatpants, like, climbing up to the third balcony because I want to see like people rehearse from that perspective or like listening to the orchestra tune um, and practice like down the hall from the dressing rooms. Like I just, I I really uh, miss being like a creature of the theater. Number nine, (laughs) Um, feeling like I'm a part of an organization that is important to the fabric of a city's culture. Right now, a lot of my work is like piecemealed together. Um, Even as a director, uh, we're pickups, so we work when we can. Um, 
like teaching for an organization like Broadway Dance Center, like I go in and teach a couple classes and then I leave. Well, that was pre-COVID. Um, and yeah, all that stuff like uh, writing for Dance Magazine. I, I haven't honestly met like a quarter to half of the people that I, I interact with. Some of them I've only met once or twice. Um, and it, there's not like a central location that I go to. I pitch a story, they accept it, they don't, and then I write it if they accept it. So um, yeah, feeling like I'm a part of an organization that's important to the fabric of a city's culture. Um, people experience and create culture, um, but it isn't as common for the, the people to actually be culture. When you're dancing for a local, regional, national, or international company, you're essentially living culture, interacting with your community, even in your normal and everyday life. Like I remember I would go to the grocery store and people would be like, oh my God, you look like a dancer. Do you dance for Pacific Northwest Ballet? And I'd be like, yeah. And they'd be like, what's your name? And I'd be like, oh, Barry Corrales. They'd be like, oh my God, I loved you in this piece. So it's like, whether you're on stage, walking down the street or shopping um, or attending any events related to dance or not, you are culture, which is crazy. You really can't say that in too many, to, to too many people, but dancing in the core of any company, whether it's like a smaller company in a small town, or if it's like the Bolshoi, you are culture. You're not just a piece of culture. You are culture. And that's really kind of ridiculous just to think like you think culture of like television or like clothing, like clothing you wear. People wear wear that part of the culture. Um, television, you watch the culture. You go to a museum, you uh, go to an immersive experience, you uh, get to interact with the culture, but you are not the culture. So it's so cool to just be like, I am a part of culture. Like I am culture. Um, and that maybe that sounds pretentious, but I mean, I don't really care. I think it's just really, really fascinating and really cool. And um, I, I miss being like, I, I guess there are times where you could say that I still am, but not in the same way um, as being a dancer because you are on, you are art in real time happening on stage. We're now like, I create the art and then we put it on stage. So it's like, I get to view the culture that I created. It's, it's a different experience. Um, Cool. So there's number nine. We are at number 10. Number 10, accomplishing something great on your own is rewarding, but accomplishing something great as a community is a much greater feat. And for that reason, uh, because you're doing it with more people than just one, um, it's much more rewarding because you get to share the accomplishment and joy with many. Um, I mean, I am not a sports person and I think I'm going to get this right because I just, just saw it on TV, but I know nothing about sports. The Dodgers won the World Series, um, and the whole city celebrates. Like, they even declared, like, a riot because it was so crazy. So it's like, I don't necessarily understand sports because everybody roots for a group of people to do well. I mean, I guess I do because I like the Olympics, but um, everybody roots for a group of people to do well. And if they do well, it becomes their accomplishment too. Um, when they didn't really have anything to do with it. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm going to get in trouble for saying that. But that's the facts, people. Um, <laughs> what what it comes down to is when you're working together in a corps de ballet, um, you are accomplishing something very, very difficult altogether. 
And when you go off stage, it is your your individual accomplishment is all is a part of many individual accomplishments that are tied together as a whole. Therefore, it's everybody's accomplishment. And it's like one person's joy. If let's let's try to put this in numbers. If one person's joy is 100, like 100 percent, but 100 and then another person's joy is at 100 or another person's joy is at 90 and another person's joy is at 95. If you add that all together, it's almost 400 points of joy as opposed to 100 points of joy. So I guess that's the best way I could say it. Like if you have all these people in the court of ally coming together to accomplish something and then in the end uh, you do it well, uh, it's well received, all of a sudden your accomplishment is magnified and it becomes uh, a much greater accomplishment for that community. Um it's very special, and I, I really, I, I really miss that that aspect of dancing in a court of ballet. And I guess I can even like tie it together into what we're hopefully going to experience on Tuesday, um, or in the days after Tuesday when all the the votes are counted. I feel like <clears throat> everybody's coming together in the United States as a whole um, to try to accomplish something. And some people are trying to accomplish one thing and some people are trying to accomplish another. But in the end, whomever ends up winning, it is the accomplishment of that group of people. And it, it'll be a, a joyous occasion for either group. Obviously, I hope that it's my group that gets to experience this joy. Um, but it's it's very similar. Getting to accomplish something great on your own is not as great as accomplishing something together. Um that might be something to serve the person currently in charge of our country. <laughs> so, I mean, if you didn't get it, I'm voting for Biden, people. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, and I, I hope that you will take into consideration um, one person is trying to divide our country and one person is trying to bring them together. And whether you agree with the ideals of the Republican Party or the Democratic Party, um, I truly, truly think that we're getting further and further apart and doesn't matter if you agree with conservative or democratic, uh, ideals that we really truly need to find the person who's going to bring us back closer together. Because I think if we can't do it now, it's, it's going to be, uh, it can't be solved and it's going to end up in really, really negative consequences. Um, we can't always all get our way, but we can at least try to come together and I think that there's only one person that can do that. Well, I didn't think that I was going to end this with a political note, but yeah. Number 10, accomplishing something on your own, not as important as accomplishing something together. All right, cool. So I wanted to share this for World World Ballet Day because, you know, every once in a while in an article, you'll get like, why it's so great to dance in the core. But um, it's been 10 years since I danced in the core about it. That's so crazy to hear. It's been a decade. It feels like it was like two years ago. Um but uh, I do really look back on that time fondly and I'm so grateful and appreciative uh, for being able to experience that with a group of people all working together and at such a high level that you push the whole group to become better. So yeah, there's your podcast for today, guys. Um, I hope that you really enjoyed it. Again, if you are interested in taking virtual classes with me, um, please do reach out to me. Um, I, I will give that information in my outro again so that you can do that. Um, 
what else uh if you also uh if you want information about our patreon that we'll be doing probably starting in december you can email me at info at movementhqballet.org and then i'll keep you up to date with that stuff um i think other than that you need to go out and vote if you're 18 years and older in the united states um this is such an important week coming up um and i honestly I, I hope that you will consider my rights as a gay man, um, my community as the performing arts who in New York City is shut down through a majority of the companies have shut down through at least September 2021, some through already uh, January, uh, d- December of 2021. Um, if we don't get things better under control with this pandemic um, and actually work together to do that. Uh, the performing arts is going to continue to suffer. Um, so please, I hope that you keep those things in mind. Think about our friends who are black, uh, indigenous people of color, um, minorities who maybe haven't had equal rights in the past and are just fighting to be treated the same as everybody else. I hope that you'll take those things into consideration. Thank you for making it through to the end of this podcast with even the little political notes. This is where we're going to end it. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod to Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorlis.com. Again, that's www.barrykerolis.com. If you'd like more information about my company, Movement Headquarters Ballet Company, you can head to www.movementhqballet.com. Dot org. You can also reach out on those sites if you'd like to become a sponsor for a podcast or company or to book masterclasses in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcast on the Premier Dance Network. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B. Corollis, uh, or on Twitter at Bariscos. You can also follow Movement Headquarters on Instagram at movement underscore headquarters. Also, be sure to subscribe to my blogs. You can check them out. Life of a Freelance Dancer is at lifeofafreelancedancer.blogspot.com. And I wrote on there for five years about working as a freelance artist, touring the nation, and working as an independent contractor. I also have Dancing All Stage, and you can find that at dancingallstage.wordpress.com. And I wrote on there about the post-performance careers of professional dancers. You can also check out my work on YouTube uh, by heading to youtube.com, going to the search bar, typing in B. Corollas or Movement Headquarters. Thanks for listening in to Pod of Chat. I hope you return two weeks from this Friday to talk dance with me. Oh yeah, it won't be next two weeks. It's going to be in a month, okay? I'll be on vacation. But I do hope that you return a month from now to talk dance with me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene and make sure that you go out and vote for Biden. Bye-bye.